the following live session recording, Mitch Bellflower, children's pastor for First Baptist Church Lyons, Georgia, talks about effective outreach strategies for preschool and children's ministry. What is your church's strategy for reaching young families in your community? Are they working? This session explores some effective strategies to connect families in your community to your church. Let's join Mitch now. Let me just go ahead and be upfront with you. There is, I know what the title of this, this session is. There's no magic potion, there's no magic formula that I can give you. However, what's gonna take place is I'm gonna give you some things that has helped me and things I have learned. I've learned the hard way, some I've learned not so hard. But before I get into that, let me kinda of tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I have been in the children's ministry part as far as either teaching Sunday school or teaching teen kids, something either on Sundays or Wednesdays for approximately 30 years, okay? The last 10 years, I've actually been full-time as children's pastor at our church. Now, I was in law enforcement before that. If you could eat, sleep, or breathe something, that's what I did. If I could not kick the door in, I wanted to be the second one in after the door was kicked. So I loved every single second of it. We would go on mission trips and things like that. Well, in 2008, we got a call. Now, three months before that call, I had a guy come to me in our fellowship hall, and he came down and he said, his name was Brian. He said, Mitch, he says, I got to tell you something. I said, okay. He said, you're going to think it's crazy because I about didn't come up here and tell you. I said, okay, well, tell me. He says, is something going on in your life? I said, no, everything's good. Everything was great. He said, all right, he said, well, all I can tell you is I had a dream last night, and I'm just supposed to tell you the answer is yes. And I'm thinking, yep, you have lost your mind. <laughs> so anyway, you know, I kind of just dismissed that. Well, three months later, after that conversation, and Brian told me my answer was yes, I'm singing on the, the stage uh, in the praise band, and then I feel God calling me. Now, I don't know where it came from, all I know is I look down, Kelly's in the, the congregation, she's crying, she's shaking her head yes. So I know that God is talking to her and God is talking to me at the exact same time. So I came down off the stage, I got with Kelly, and we went to Brother Danny and we told him, we said, look, we ain't got a clue what's going on. We just know that God's calling us, we don't know for what reason or for where. It's an obedience call and our answer was yes. So that was where Brian's yes came in. Two years pass. We still are serving in our children's department, still doing teen kids, still doing Wednesday night, still doing Sunday school. The thing that changed, though, was probably this. Uh, and looking back on it, I can tell you. Whenever I was in there before, Kelly was probably more geared toward she would teach the lesson and she would make sure that those types of things got done as far as the material goes. I was more over here making sure that the crafts were ready or getting snacks if we needed, you know, those kind of things. Well, during those two years, don't know how it happened, except for God doing it, our roles just kind of swapped. I started doing the lesson. I started doing the materials and things like that while Kelly did the crafts and got the snacks ready. Now, like I said, did that for uh, about two years afterward. Brother Danny and our youth pastor came to me one Sunday. And they said, Mitch, we've been praying about something. We had just built a new children's building, and they were looking for a full-time children's minister. 
Well, they came to me. And he said, you just keep coming up. Your name just keeps coming up in our prayers and stuff like that. Will you pray about it? And I said, sure. I didn't pray about it. I'll just tell you I didn't pray about it because I wasn't interested in it. I didn't think. Well, we, st we still would serve uh, and still did our Sunday school classes and stuff like that. Well, about four or five months later, he came back to me. And he said, Mitch, he said, I'm telling you something. Your name is still coming up. Will, have you prayed about it? And I told him, I said, no, I really didn't pray about it. I said, I mean, I, I said, I'm going to retire in law enforcement. I mean, I love it. And Danny said, well, why don't you just, he said, just pray about it. And I said, okay. Well, I committed to pray about it at that time, which I did not the first time. Now, after I would read my Bible and I would pray, I would pretty much know where God was leading me. However, my prayer the entire time was that God would answer me or give me a bold answer. I didn't want this feeling in my heart. I felt like if God was calling me, I wanted to know that he was calling me. It was kind of like one of those Gideon things where you had the fleece you know, and the dude and stuff. I wanted something bold. And I prayed like that the entire time. Well, there was a deadline, and I was supposed to tell Danny what my answer was, whether it was a yes or no, by that deadline. Well, we had went on a cruise the week before. And I would go back to the cabin, and I would read, and I'd, I, like I said, I knew what God was telling me, but I still didn't have my bold answer, which is what I prayed for the entire time. The day that we were leaving, we were driving up 95, coming home, and Kelly asked me, because we were supposed to tell Danny that next, the next day, that Monday. She said, well, what's, what are you going to tell him? And I said, well, Kelly, I, I said, I know what God's telling me, but I've been praying a specific way. I said, you read it, and you tell me what you think. So she gets the Bible, and I tell her the verse that's been going back and forth, back and forth. Well, she reads it. About 10 seconds after she reads it, on the side of the road, on a billboard, in big, bold, black letters, as big as you can get, was these words. Read God's word and do it. So that was my bold answer. I looked at her, she looked at me, and we kind of knew that that was the answer that I was looking for. God sometimes waits to the last minute, or what we seen the last minute, I think it was the right minute uh, at that point. So that was 10 years ago. At that, after that, we called Danny immediately on the road and told him we were all in, and it was just, that's 10 years ago. So, that's a little bit about my story, kind of the short version. But let's get on with the class. All right, how many of you guys? Okay, how many of you guys in here are from smaller churches or smaller communities? Or at least have served in them? And when I say smaller, I'm thinking probably 50 members or less, or even 100 members or less. A lot of us, right? All right, well, I served in a small church in my community. I also serve now in probably the largest church in our community as far as that goes. And when I say small church, I'm talking 10 members small, okay? 10 members small in our first church. It was a little community church called Normantown Baptist Church. And so that's why I served. So what are some, I'll give you the first one, uh, and then I want to, you to give me some of the, the other answers, okay? So we'll go around the room. Now there's some differences between a small church and a big church or a larger church. This is one of the differences that I'm talking about, okay? What are some other differences that you can think of? What would be a difference between a small church and a, and a larger church? Besides money and besides the budget? The number of volunteers. Okay, volunteers. What else? 
number of children. Okay. Guess what? Y'all are actually right on target. I mean, like one, two, three, right there. All right, keep going. There's a few more. There's three more. And these are some that I just thought of in my head. What about this one? What about space? Space would be a big issue. I just go back and I look at the smaller church that I served in versus the one that I serve in where I've got a two-story children's building. Okay? There's a big difference. There's a lot of things that can be done that's different. Alright? What about this? What about traditions? Traditions can be a little bit different in a smaller church than it could be a bigger church. Okay? And then, of course, you've got your bivocational employees. In most of your smaller churches, almost every time, you may have or they may have a full-time pastor, but that was probably the only full-time position that they have. And in a lot of cases, they only have what we call bivocational part-time, where that pastor, he does, he gets paid, but he actually has another job that supports his family. Okay, So those are some differences between a large church and a big church. Big churches and small churches are different. However, they're not different in their mission, their doctrine, or their value to the kingdom. Okay, The only way that they're different is just the way that they do or the way they carry out and fulfill their mission. Okay, Now, whether you're from a small church or a large church, kids need ministering. Okay? So that's kind of where we're going to get into. Alright, so let's think smaller, as in high, I guess. Let's think about children's ministry. Okay, so let me ask you a question. This right here, how many of you guys have ever heard of this statement? Our children are the future, future of the church. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Have you ever said it yourself? Okay, alright. Pretty much everybody in here has probably heard or said that statement. Now, here's the thing. That statement is true. It's exactly true. But it's insufficient. Because here's the reason why. Not only are they the future of the church, they're actually part of the church right now. Okay? So we'll talk a little bit about that. And the first thing I want you to do is I got, I got this chart and I did some research. As I was putting this lesson together, I was thinking, Man, let me figure out this. And, you know, it blew me away with some of the research that I found out. Look at this. This big portion up here. Okay? 46%. It says, Current studies indicate that nearly half of all Americans who accept Jesus as Savior do so before they reach the age of 13. Guys, that is huge. Nearly half of all Americans that accept Jesus Christ as their Savior do so before they reach the age of 13. Now here's another group. 29%, uh, almost one out of eight born again, uh, made their freshness of faith while age 14 to 21. And then we have 16% made freshness of faith from the ages of 22 to 39. And then of course our smallest was 40 plus 40 plus so now what that tells me is this this group right here whether we like it or not 
We're involved in children's ministry. This is the group that professes their faith before they're 13. This is the largest group and the most perceptive. Okay? They're most they're they're the ones that we need to go after. Okay? That it's, it's statistically shown. Not these other ones. Not that we don't need to bypass those other ones and not those other ones. But here it is. If you've got over half or nearly half, this is one that we need to really pay attention to and focus on. Okay? So, let's talk about it. Here's the first thing that I want you guys uh, to just know. Uh, and it's, it's kind of like some, some steps. And we'll go over the steps. If you've got any questions or if you've got any input, Listen, I do not know it all. I don't, I don't pretend to know it all. I learn every day. We were just joking outside in the hall uh, about someone 20 years ago, meeting 20 years ago or something like that and, and everything. And I said, listen, I've been in it for, actually it was you, we were talking about, yeah, we're being new. Um, I had too many conversations today. And I said, well, I've been in it for 10 years and I don't, I feel like I don't know anything either, okay? When we stop learning, I think that's when we have a problem, all right? So, let's look at this. The first one I want to talk to you guys about is appearance, okay? Appearance. Think of, think for just a second, first impressions, all right? First impressions mean a lot to us. If you don't believe me, think about it for just a second. When we go into a restaurant, if it's a brand new restaurant, what are we doing? We're looking at everything, aren't we? We're looking to see how clean it is. We're looking to see what the waitresses and the waiters look like. We want to see what the cook's in there. So first impressions actually mean a whole bunch. Well, here's the deal. In children's ministry, or at least to me, first impressions can make or break you. Let a first-time parent come in your children's wing and, it, and their first impression is not good. You probably won't get a second one. First impressions are a big, big deal. Alright, here's another one that I want to talk about in that same area. Greeting, okay? Do y'all have greeters at your church? Like, when I say at your church, I'm talking about like with your children in your children's department. I have I have two that's other than myself. I have uh, Mr. Larry and Miss Charlotte. And they're there every single Wednesday and every single Sunday at my check-in counter in my foyer. And they're greeting the parents and they're greeting the kids. Okay? There's two reasons. One, they're a friendly smile and face that's going to come in that's going to greet those kids. Those kids are going to see them week in and week out. They're going to build a relationship. They're going to know who they are. And it's going to help those kids want to come to church. Okay? Especially if you've got some first time visitors. First time visitors, they still, I mean, it's like a second skin to mom or daddy or whoever they got. Alright? So. I would suggest you get some greeters. And I would suggest that you get greeters that can at least be there most of the time so that the kids can get familiar with them. Also the parents as well. Those greeters, Larry gets down and he hugs their neck. He comments on their shoes and their outfits and stuff like that. And it, not only does it make the kid smile and happy, guess what it does for mom and dad? They love it when you talk about their kids like that. Okay? So let's greet. Um, the, another thing that I want to talk about is the rooms. And here's what I mean by that. Small or large churches, it doesn't matter. 
The room should be kid-friendly. In our small church, this is what this is kind of the setup that we had. And looking back on it, like I said, that was when we first got into it. We had an area that was in the back. Basically, it was just a back room. Okay, We had some storage back in there, a little bit over there in one corner. There was an old pew that was back there. There were some other things. Well, we took that and we actually made a children's class out of it, so to speak. Now, looking back on it, knowing what I know now, that wasn't a children's class. It was basically just a glorified storage room. That's all it was where we put kids in it. When I say furniture and, ki and for appearance, let it be kid-friendly. Let your tables be to their size. Let your chairs to be their size. Don't, don't have, don't go and get some just regular chairs and tables that you already have in the room and go and use that, okay? Make sure that it's kid-friendly. What about your colors on the wall? If you ain't got some colors on the wall and make that exciting for your kids, they're not going to come back, okay? So we need to make that fun. It can't just be a, a empty storage room or an extra room that nobody uses. Okay? You got to make it kid friendly. And you got to have the furniture that fits it. Also, you need to make sure that it's clean. A while ago and I told you about first appearances. If a parent comes in and they're gonna drop their kid off and they look in there through the window or wherever and they see some carpets or they see the rugs in there that's dirty and got stains on there. They ain't going to want to bring that kid back at all. I wouldn't want my children crawling on the floor like that. There's one thing that's different about children's ministry than doing adults. We play and we stay on the floors. Adults, the only time they're, they're on the floor is through the bottom of their feet. Okay? They don't sit on the floor. They don't play on the floor. They don't crawl on the floor. They don't do games on the floor. We're on the floor. We're around rugs all the time. We do our activities on the floor. So guess what needs to be clean? The floor. Okay? So make sure that it's clean. Make sure that it's sanitized. Um, another one is uh, the space. Make sure that you got enough space. Remember, I told you that we did it in a like a back room back there that had some storage in there. Make sure that you have enough space for your kids. Don't just use this small closet. Make sure there's enough space. All right, so first impressions, uh, you got your rooms, your greeters, your furniture, the cleanliness. All right, so let's talk about the second one. The second one is safety, okay? Now, safety's a big deal nowadays, all right? Parents insist on safety, security, and hygiene for their kids. Now, here's the, big, here's the thing. Every church should have a drop-off location. I don't care if it's small. I don't care if it's big. Now I know some of the smaller churches, I can just see me back in my smaller church saying something about a drop-off location, all right? With a check-in system. Now this is what I mean by that. Drop-off location, that's the same spot. The parents come there, they drop their kids off, the parents come back, and they pick their kids up from the same spot. That's your drop-off location. You also need to have in that same spot some type of check-in system, even if it's a pen or a pencil and a paper some type of check-in system, okay? You also, on your volunteers, you need, small or big churches, you need to run background checks. Now I know in some of those small churches, they were like, well, he lives right down the road, I get my potatoes from him, or I get my carrots from him, or something like that. Guess what, it doesn't matter. 
a $15 background check can help you a lot, okay? In my children's department, I don't care if they sub or anything. They can't come down my two doors, top or bottom, unless they have had a background background check, period, okay? So, all right, go how, how often do you do background Every two years. Yeah. Now, if we run ours every two years, yeah. just because, but now if, if some new person comes in, just say for instance, uh, someone came up to me, say you came up to me and you're, you tell me that you're interested in children's ministry and you'd love to teach in Sunday school, I would say, perfect, that's awesome. Let's sit down and talk about that. Now what's going to happen is I'm going to sit down and I'm going to talk with her. And it's more or less going to be an interview, okay? I want to know why she came to me, why she's interested, is she called, or is she just somebody trying to get into my kids' swing to where the kids are? See where I'm going with that? Now, once I find out that information, then we'll take it a little bit step further, and I'm going to ask her, I'm going to say, look, I said, you know what, I appreciate it, and we always could use great help, and we'd love to have you, but what I want you to do is I want you to pray about it for a couple weeks. You pray about it, and I'll pray about it. And then in two weeks after you've seriously prayed about it, if you're still interested, you come back, and then we'll do a background check, we'll do some other forms, and then we'll let you shadow, and what we'll do is we'll kind of, you know, go from there, okay? If she, if a background check scares her, she's not coming back to me, okay? That's why I say background check, all right? That's just kind of how I would do it. That's kind of how I would do it. So, but once they're in there, say so once you get in my system, every two years is, we just automatically renew those, okay? And that's just something that our, you don't have to do it that way. Our church policy wants us to do it that way. So that's just what they decided for us is that we would do every two years. Okay. All right. So background checks is a big one. Um, be aware of allergies. Okay. We're talking about in the safety thing. Be aware of allergies. That's another good reason that I say check-in system. When our check-in label, it will print an allergy on there. Okay. If if Sam has a peanut allergy, it's gonna put it on there because. If the people up there that's checking them in, they may see that on the computer, but if it's not on him and I've got a sub that day, or that teacher, if she may just, I mean, cause you know how hectic it can get sometimes in children's wing and you just kind of forget. Well, if you see it on his label, you know not to give him that. Basically, if he don't bring his own, the only thing that he can eat that I provide are the Pepperidge Farm goldfish, just because they're not cooked in peanut oil or any of that stuff. He can't have those, okay? So just remember, the allergies. A lot of times you can have bracelets and stuff. They make bracelets now. I think we actually are looking at that uh, through our new insurance company. They provide different bracelets. If a child is allergic to bees, they'll actually have a little bracelet and they'll look like a little bee. So we know that he's allergic or she's allergic to a bee sting. Different things. So that's, you can get those online as well. So it might be something that you check into. Alright, so be aware of allergies. Now like I said before, you need a check in and a check out spot. Make sure it's the same ones. All right, now we're going to talk about workers. Okay, so workers. We've already talked about children being the most receptive age. So why would you not put your very best workers in your children's department? Why? Go mediocre 
and just get anybody to work in it. Now I do a separate breakout just for volunteers and I'll do it a little bit later tonight about how to attract and, and retain your volunteers. I will tell you this, I don't know the answers, but God has blessed us where we're at. Up until March of this year, I've done it for 10 years, and I'm fixing to fill that spot. But up until then, I've had a waiting list to serve in my children's ministry. So, I'll tell you a little bit about that tonight if you guys are interested in that. Um, we've just been blessed with that, okay? So, workers. So, what I would do is I would put your very, very best workers, even if it meant pulling them from an adult Sunday school class. You already see that that's the bottom. That's the small piece of the pie. Why not put your best ones? I would put your superstars of teachers in my children's department. Here's how you find those. Just go and you just look around your church one day during your regular services or doing whatever. You know, just you do it just as an observation. Who do your kids automatically gravitate to? Who do they naturally go to? Those are the ones that you may want to seek out. Those are the ones that you may want to pray about. Those are the ones that you might want to ask. Hey, have you ever thought about children? Just see who the kids react to. Alright? So that's that's the thing about workers. When you get a good worker in there and it's got a good fit, you can retain them for a good while. Alright? You can retain them. If you're just pulling somebody in there just because they fog up a mirror and they're a live body, chances are you're going to have some turnover. Alright? So I would make sure that I put the right worker in the right classroom. If they're preschool and that's where their passion is and that's where their heart is, don't stick them in sixth grade because they're not going to last long and vice versa. So make sure that you know who your workers are and where. Now leading, leading volunteers can be a full-time job. How many of you guys lead volunteers every Sunday? Yep, it's a full-time job, right? Sometimes you just want to pull your hair out. I can tell you, there, you know, you get a, a text. Or worse than that, you get an email about 6.30 that morning, and you know good and well that you ain't got time to check an email on Sunday morning because everything else is going up. However, you get a text or an email. Hey, sorry, we decided to stay another day at the lake, or we decided to stay another day at the beach. We're not going to make it there tonight, or we're not going to make it there today, okay? Volunteers teaching volunteers and keeping volunteers, that's a full-time job. However, in children's ministry, you need a lot of volunteers to pull it off. You cannot do it by yourself. Okay? can't do it by yourself. I had a guy that is on the school board with me, and we were sitting there talking around an executive session, and he was like, man, I can't keep my workers. They don't want to come to work on time. He says, and I can dock on you know, this. He said, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I said, why don't you try out with some volunteers that don't get paid, that volunteer their time, and you, what you gonna do, fire them? You can't do any of that. I said, try that one time. You know, and then he laughed. But it takes a lot of volunteers to pull off children's ministry. Good teachers, they keep the kids excited, and they use active learning techniques, such as games and activities. They get on the floor, and they play with them. Now, when you do a game and when you do an activity, Here's my advice. You keep that game or you keep that activity associated or linked to 
the Bible lesson that you just did. Don't just do a game just to be doing a game. Do the game and relate it back to the message that they just got through hearing. I once heard that it takes six or seven times for someone to tell you something before you actually hear and listen. Okay? So just remember that. Teach them with the activities, with the games, with stories, whatever it is, relate it back to that message that you want to take from it. And when they do that, when they get in the car and mom or dad says, well, what did you learn at church today? And a typical answer would be, about God or about Jesus. Okay, that's your typical answer. What would happen if when they asked that question, they started telling the story about maybe how Jesus fed a whole bunch of people. They may not, the 5,000 might not register with them, but they may know that he fed a lot of people with just two fish and five loaves of bread. And then when you get, when they get in the car and they say, and we got to taste some bread too, you know, those kind of things. Keep it interesting, all right? When we do that story, when it comes up, it's, now I can use goldfish, sure, but this is what we do. I go to Walmart or to the grocery store. And I buy the big, the real fish, okay? With the eyes, the head, the whole nine yards, all right? Now, we don't cook them, but we let them look. I also buy the real bread. Now, the bread, we get to break off as we're telling that story. And each one of those kids get to eat some of that bread. It's just those kind of things, all right? So make sure what you're doing is relating back to that. And that's what a good teacher and good worker does, all right? Let's go to relationships. Now, relationships is a big deal for me. We're created and we're designed for relationships. We're designed for a relationship with God and we're designed for a relationship with others. This is what I mean by that. When you're greeting that kid, when I talk to a kid, no matter what it is, I'm not up here and he's down here. Every single time I talk to a kid, I get on my knees and I get eye level with them. There's something different about a conversation when I'm eye level with them rather than I'm way up high. Get on their level. Talk to them. Build that relationship. Okay? So that's one of the things. Get down eye level with them. Also, visit the rooms. I visit the rooms every Sunday. Now, a typical Sunday for me is when we start out, we start out in our cafe or either in our spot where we have breakfast and then they go play for a little while on our playground just for probably about 15, 20 minutes. We call them into large group. I do large group. Large group usually lasts probably about 25 minutes or so, 30 minutes. After that, we break off into small group, which is basically just our, our classes. First grade, those first grade, second grade, second grade. Well, after that, what happens is I visit every single classroom, upstairs and downstairs, for two reasons. The big reason is the relationship, the relationship with the kids. I can't be in two places at one time as far as teaching my big groups. But when I go down and I'm in preschool and I visit preschool, Sam or Brooklyn or whoever is down there, even if I'm just pushing a dump truck with him for just a minute or two, 
I'm building a relationship with those kids. They see me, they know who I am. I actually go in and I have a treat. Some of them do it themselves. When I open the door, I just reach in and I just flip the lights on and off, on and off, on and off. And every single time, without fail, they come back, Mr. Mitch, you know, and I go in there and we just have just a few minutes with them, okay? Now I do stick my head in the door and make sure that they're not praying or like deep in that uh, a lesson that they're reading the Bible or something like that. But also, I go in there and I'm seeing how the kids are reacting to that teacher. I'm seeing what the teacher's doing. I'm seeing if she needs anything or if he needs anything. So that's another reason that I visit every room. Okay, so visit the room. If it's important, uh, it's important to the teachers that you visit. I know I don't have any pastors in here, but I will tell you this. I would encourage you to tell your pastor to visit your children's room frequently. And when I say frequently, I'm not talking about once a year. I'm talking about once a month at minimum. There's something about your pastor. When he visits, it just does something for the volunteers and it also does something for the kids, okay? What it does is it lets them know that your pastor thinks that children's ministry is a big deal. If you got a pastor and he never, ever, ever, ever comes in your children's ministry, I would encourage you to talk to him about going and visiting, okay? That's super important to the kids, to you, and to the volunteers that you're going to have, all right? So, we're talking about relationships. Uh, when the kids and the teachers know that you support them, they know that they're important. All right, so you should be building relationships in everything that you do, everything that you do, whether it's a craft, whether you're singing a song, whether you're reading a story, it's a relationship opportunity. And then also you gotta keep it fun. And this is what I mean. Today's kids and adults have short attention spans, okay? I've got a short attention span. In a matter of a few seconds, kids will decide if what we have to say is important and is it worth their attention or not, all right? So what we have to do is we have to get their attention. One of the things that we can do with that is we can keep it short, okay? Keep our lesson short and to the point. Don't miss the moments. Don't miss the, the attention that they will give you. Kids are just curious. But not only kids, we're curious, aren't we? How many of you guys have noticed this present that's sitting in the front of this room already? Everybody in here pretty much has already noticed it, right? How many of you guys have wondered, what's in that present? What about, what's he going to do with that present? Right? <laughs> well, guess what? This is what I'm going to do with this present. Nothing. It's an empty box that I wrapped this morning. Okay? Don't, don't, don't throw off on my wrapping. It was early. All right, so what happens is, all it is is it's just an attention getter. Why? Because we're curious. If we go by a wreck, what are we doing? Now I know we're going to slow down because they tell us to do it, but then we're doing this right here. We're trying to figure out what's going on. Who was in it? What kind of car was in it? Those kind of things. We're curious. So are kids. So why not use that curiosity to your benefit? Even if it's just a prop. I will tell you this. I do not do hardly any sermons or any lessons without some type of prop. 
even if I'm in large church with the adults. And this is what I mean by that. I still have them talking about it today, and this happened five years ago. Danny was going, and he was asking me to do a message. He said, why don't you do something that you would do with your kids? I said, okay, I can do that. Well, I went to my local marina, and I borrowed a 14-foot boat, okay? We took the boat, and we put it in our fellowship hall on the stage. That was when we had two services. In the first service, I preached from the boat. Now, two reasons. First of all, it was just like this present. That boat got everybody's attention in there. When they come in that fellowship hall, they were looking, they were like, there's a boat on the stage. What is going on? Okay. Second, it kept their attention. When I got in it, I would step in it, out of it. I was talking about Peter walking on water. So what was happening was I was using the boat as an illustration, and it was also an attention getter. It got their curiosity. Now, the second service was a little bit different. I wasn't going to use the boat in the second service. And here's the reason why. Remember I told you about traditions in the other? All right, well, the second service was not in our fellowship hall. It was actually in our sanctuary. Now, our sanctuary, sometimes people can consider that kind of like a golden calf type deal. So I was like, I ain't about to put no boat up there on the sanctuary. I will probably be fired tomorrow. However, after that first service, I had four or five of the adults that came up to me saying, you know what? I actually got that message that you were talking about. I need to listen more on the kid level. You know, and I said, listen, we're all like that. So after that, what we did was we went and we put the boat over there and I did the same message and got the same result, even from our older generation, okay? So it doesn't matter if you're a kid or if you're 75, you're still curious. Our curiosity, why not use it, all right? So use it. So I would suggest that you use props, uh, dress up. Sometimes I'll put a costume on. You can get away with a bunch in kids' ministry. As a children's pastor, I can get away with a lot that probably Brother Danny could not get away with. So just use it to your advantage. All right, let's look at this. All right, so follow-up. Now, this is what I mean by follow-up. Follow-up is don't leave them hanging. When you have a visitor come to your church and they visit you, what do you do? What's some of the things that you guys do? either send a letter or an okay. email or something to them within the next day. Okay. All right. On Monday. Does anybody send visitor bags home? Visitor bags is uh, kind of a cheap way. You can get visitor bags from online. You can order them in bulk. We've got visitor bags with our church logo and stuff on there. We put information for the parents from the church our schedules, upcoming events, those kind of things in the visitor bags. Now, not only do we do the parents, we have some things in there for the kids. We've got some different gadgets and toys and, and coloring books and those kind of things that's in there as well. So I want something for the kids and I want something for the parents, all right? So if they're a visitor, every visitor gets the bag, okay? Every visitor gets the bag and when they go home, you followed up there already. You also got that information. If you can get that contact information, 
and give them a call or an email or even a letter or a card within the next few days, that means a lot too. Okay? I have heard churches go in there and whenever they fill out the visitor little slip that's on the bulletin and they turn it in, I think it's a bigger church, I don't remember where I heard from, but they were telling me that what they have a group that takes those and if they're local, they go and they have something hanging on that door when that when they get home that day but from church. Now, that's pretty big. We're not that big to do that, and I don't have enough people to do that. But if you can, you know what? That's a good idea. The point is to follow up. What about if you're... Uh, what, if, what happens if you have a child that gets saved? What do you do then? Do y'all, do y'all go through a course? We do... What do you go through? Um, be Christian. Okay, I, we go through... I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian now. Christian. Uh, so it, it's, a, it's a Lifeway resource. And basically what it does is, guys, here's the thing. If you remember, when you first got saved, it was still new to us. Now it's exciting, but it was new. Just because you got saved, that didn't mean that doesn't mean you know everything about being baptized. You didn't know how to start a a, a daily devotion, reading your Bible. What about ties? If you weren't taught that from your mom and dad, you didn't have a clue about it. So follow up with some of that. If you get uh, some kids and they're saved and they accept Christ, follow up with that and let them know what the next steps are. Okay. They're going to know, they want to know what the Lord's Supper is. Why we do the Lord's Supper. Because now that they're Christians, they're actually going to be able to participate in it. Okay? Before, they were just sitting there watching everybody else do it. Now they need to know why they get to participate in it. So follow up with that. Birthday cards. We send birthday cards. I've got someone that uh, comes up every Sunday to the front, to the upstairs check-in, and they'll go on through our database where our check-in system, we use what we call Lamb's List. And then our lambs list does two different things. Uh, of course, it gives you birthdays for that month or that week or whatever you want. But it also, if you, it's what they call lost sheet. They can hit the lost sheet button, and what that does is it pulls up who was not there that day, okay, or who did who was absent. So if we wanted to send them a missed you this Sunday card or a birthday card, kids love to get mail where they can open, okay. So birthday cards we do. I have someone that does that. It does take some committed time to do it. But I will tell you this, the kids love it. And the parents like for their kids to do it. This, this happened in my own family, but the little girl next, that lived next door to us was out of Sunday school a lot. Mm-hmm. And she's the same age as my daughter who was in Sunday school every week unless there was illness. And she got mail one day with a piece of gum in it and saying how much I missed you. Guess what? My daughter came home crying because she didn't get the mail. So sometimes it's really important to thank kids for being there and not just It is. It is. That was a a lesson I learned. That's exactly right. And that, that was some of the things that's coming up next. You don't, it doesn't have to be just because they miss or it doesn't have to be a birthday. Okay. It could be periodically you just send letters or you send a card home saying, hey, you know what, I appreciate you, you know, this kind of thing. Not just to kids. Have you ever thought about sending a card or a letter to a parent? Say, hey, I appreciate you guys bringing so-and-so. 
it, it means a lot that you entrust us with your most prized possession for several hours. Okay? So you can even send them to the parents. It doesn't have to be kids. It can be parents as well. Alright, let's talk about missions. How many of you guys do missions at your church? Okay. All right, so missions is a big deal for us. Uh, we we typically do four to five uh, bigger mission trips a year, but then we also do, I like to incorporate my kids and stuff. Everybody in here does VBS, right? If, if not, you should, just simply because it's a huge outreach for your community, okay? Especially for a week. All right, so what we do at VBS is we do what we call penny wars. Now, you're probably thinking, penny wars, this is what takes place. Every single day at the end of worship rally, we have what we call a contest. The kids bring in pennies. We're just talking about pennies and nickels and dimes and quarters that they bring in. Okay? We tell them, don't bring in paper. Now, not that we don't want it, but a dollar doesn't weigh anything. I have a big scale that we've built, and it has a five-gallon bucket for the boys and a five-gallon bucket for the girls. And I call the grades, and they come up there to music, and they drop their pennies in to whichever bucket. And then at the end of that day, we let the scales go, and whoever wins, now of course we all know that God is the big winner, but whoever wins, wins for that day. You talking about a competition? Try that and see, especially if it's the girls against the boys. Well, we do it all week long for five days. They already know because when we kick off VBS, when we have our kickoff, that Sunday we tell them what our missions money is going to go for. Sometimes it will go overseas. Uh, this past time we did it to one of our partner churches that's in Africa. And what we did was we built some wells and we actually got them some, some bathrooms that with running water. They didn't have any of those. So it got some of those. We raised nearly $2,700 just in pennies. Just in pennies this year. And that usually is around the, the range. It's anywhere from, I don't know, twenty two dollars to $2,700. I think the most that we ever raised was about 6000 However, that was whenever we got the adults involved. So you can also do that if you kick off. I don't know if any of you guys have a kickoff during VBS, but we do it and we do it during our regular AM service. Now, Brother Danny wants us to do it that way because he wants the church to know why we do VBS and what the reason we do VBS is for. Okay? So, get the adults involved as well. So, missions. That's a big one. But you know what? You can do some of those things like on Wednesday night. Take for instance. Sometimes, I will take my older ones and when I say older, I'm talking about third, fourth, and fifth or maybe... Uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, we will just go get some bottles of Windex, we'll get some paper towel, we'll go to the parking lot of the church, and we clean some windshields. Now underneath the windshield wiper, we will leave a note saying what we did and why we did it. We just wanted to be a blessing to you guys. This is part of our missions opportunity. You didn't go anywhere, but what you've done was you've taught your kids to be about missions, okay? And that's what the Bible tells us to be about. So it doesn't have to be anything big, even if you didn't want to do the penny wars thing. It could be something as simple as that. We've made goodie bags. 
there are firefighters, police officers, sheriff's department, nurses, EMTs, um, teachers, all kind of stuff. Now what would happen is they get in there and they get to make these bags, but when they get it, guess what? Invite your chief of police or invite a firefighter to come to your church on that Wednesday night. Let them share a little bit about their self, about what they do and why they do it, and then let the kids give the bags to them. It relates it back to it. So that's kind of the missions opportunity that I'm talking about. We can serve others through missions. Even if it's just picking up trash. You can go around church yard and pick up trash. Something simple. It's a missions opportunity that you can do. Third, outings. Alright, so this is what I mean by outings. The kids need to see Jesus outside of the four walls of the church. And this is what I mean. Do fall festivals. Do park nights. Do trunk or treats. We did a swimming uh, night the other night uh, where the whole church, not just the kids, but the whole church went to our aquatic center and we had our service there. Now, of course, we had pizza and we had junk food and stuff like that and we swam. We had a good time. But it was, they saw us talk about Jesus and they saw others living it out somewhere besides the church. Okay? If you do a fall festival, a trunk or treat, it's a big opportunity. It's another big opportunity for your community. Okay? So do outings. You'll build relationships. One of the things that we're going to do in just a little while is what we call Parents Not Out. Do you, does anybody in here do that? Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say that? Parents Not Out is basically when it's kind of like a babysitting night uh, for the parents where we try to do it before Christmas and we try to do it some other times. Uh, we just keep the kids for three or four hours where we'll do pizza, we'll do a movie, we'll do some games, uh, you know, different things, just some fun things. While the parents can do, they can do whatever they want. They can go back home and they can take a four hour nap if they want to. They can go on a date or they can go to the grocery store or Walmart and buy groceries without having to go down a toy aisle or saying, no, you can't go get this or no, you can't get that, okay? So it's just a parent night out. Talking about being a superhero, have a couple of those a year and see what happens. Especially on that night, you'll have parents come out to woodwork. You may have parents that ain't been to your church in three months. Do a parent night and see what happens. You'll, they'll miraculously appear, okay? All right, so do outings. The top reason, here's, what I, here's also what I want you to know. The top reason um, that people came to an outreach or to an outing is because of a personal invite, okay? So this is what I wanted to say about that. We can put those in the bulletins. We can put those on the screen in our fellowship hall. We can put them outside. We can send a note home. But a personal invite from someone is the top reason that most people came to those types of events, okay? So spread that around. Get some Sunday school teachers. Let them invite some folks. You invite some folks. Make, make that a church-wide thing. Because that's the top reason. Extend the welcome mat. And then the next one is...
TV went off. Anyway, the next one that I want to talk to you guys about is parents. Okay? So, millennials have a lot of kids. Alright? Millennials have a lot of kids. The millennial generation is the largest generation in American history. However, get this, it could be quickly surpassed by Gen Z, which is the generation that's coming up now. Okay? So, millennials have a lot of kids. How many of you guys have ever heard, and I'm going to explain, probably, well, you may already know. How many of you guys have ever heard of the helicopter parent? Okay? When I say that. Basically, it was that parent that just kind of hovers over everything. All right, well, here's what takes place in this next generation. They're not going to be the helicopter parent. They're going to be, you got it. They're going to be connected. Think of a motorcycle and a sidecar, okay? The, that's why the kids can't do anything for themselves nowadays, all right? Because they're just connected at the hill. They're not hovering. Now they're connected. So now... You have to minister to the kid and the parent. Alright? Alright, so they need and they want to know that their child is being loved, that the child is happy, that the child is being taken care of, and they also want to have those same things done with them. Okay? You have to minister to them as well. Even though I teach mainly to kids, and that's what my job title is, I spend as much time, if not more, dealing and ministering to parents and families as I do just to my kids, okay? So just because you're in children's ministry doesn't mean that the children are the only ones that you're gonna get to minister to or to talk to. You're also gonna have to do that to your parents. You have to greet them as well. Remember I told you about Larry and Charlotte? Greet the parents. They want to be loved, and they want to be noticed as well. I told you about sending cards home. If you can find an anniversary, now I know that that's getting into a whole bunch, and if you ain't got a, some separate people that can actually help you do that, I would not advise putting more on your plate than you already have because you already know that it's full and it overflows a lot of time. But if you've got someone and that's just their heart, that's their passion, find out what your anniversary dates are to some of your parents. And send them an anniversary card or something like that. Okay? And then number five is prayer. The Apostle Paul says that we're supposed to pray constantly. In 1 Thessalonians 5 17, is what it says. So we need to remind ourselves that prayer does not need to be neglected. Alright? So in children's ministry, prayer should be one of our number one things. If not, the number one. After all, children's ministry is what? It's a spiritual work. It's got nothing to do with us. When I first got called to it and I answered that, the, the second week into it, I thought to myself, did I make a bad choice? Did I, live, did I hear God wrong? I went home and told Kelly, I said, I think I'm about to call the state back and see if I can get my internal affairs job back. Because I may have heard wrong. Well, here's what took place. I'm an organized person, so what I did was I developed and I created a checklist. And I thought that on Wednesday or Sunday that I could go down and I could just check those lists of boxes off. 
and everything was going to be perfect. It was going to be the greatest kids ministry and the greatest uh, children's department ever. Wrong. I didn't hardly get none of those boxes checked. Here's the thing. I prayed and I asked God. I was like, God, did I hear you right? Now I know that you answered in the bold way that I asked you to. And this is what he told me. He said, man, he says, I didn't want you to do it out of your own power. I want you to let me do it through you. So I had to take my hands off and let God do it through me. And then once I did that, things started going a little bit different. It's not about checking boxes. It's about asking God, praying to God, and letting Him work through you. It's His ministry. It's not ours. He can use someone else just as good as He uses me or you. But if we're obedient and we're available, then He'll use us in a powerful way. And that's the blessing that we get. Establish prayer partners with your kids. This is what we're going to do in just a little while. Um, what we're going to do is I'm going to type up. I'm going to have every child's name on the card. And we're going to put it on our fellowship hall. Uh, well, we call it the altar, I guess. Uh, it's right down there on the steps. And then what we're going to do is we're going to ask for someone to come get just one card. Just one card. And there... They're going to commit to pray for that child that they get for the rest of that school year. Okay? They can pray for that child during school, during church, for their salvation, for their family, whatever. Now, here's the, here's the two things that's going to happen. What do you think is going to take place when you've got different ones? Say you've got your whole entire church praying for every kid that's in your children's ministry. That's basically big, big, isn't it? Now here's another thing that's going to happen. If you get a card and you've got Sarah Beth's name on it and you pray for Sarah Beth for nine months, okay? The whole time. You're going to develop, whether you like it or not, a little bit of a relationship. You're going to know what Sarah Beth's been doing. You're going to know if she needs anything. Uh, you're going to keep up with it. So now what you've done is now you've kind of got the whole church into a family type deal where you've built relationships, which I think is super important. But not only that, you're praying and you're asking God to bless that child, to bless that child's family. That's going to be big. That's going to be way bigger than anything that we can teach or do. That's God's work. Only God can pull that off. But it, I do know this. The Bible tells us to pray constantly. Pray without ceasing. Pray constantly. So that's what we're going to do. Is we're going to have someone pray for our kids. We also do a prayer breakfast. Kelly and I do this. Um, we do a prayer breakfast every, uh, every the first Sunday of every month. And what we do is 8 o'clock we come, or we come in early and we have like it's usually casseroles or something like like a breakfast casserole, and all of my Sunday school teachers meet in the cafe, and we have breakfast together. That starts our new month out. Now, we do this because we're building relationships. We also do this because we pray over our kids for that month. All right. I don't give them a big long lecture. What I do is I ask for prayer requests. 
if someone gets it, a lot of times someone else will lead it. I don't have to lead it. There's, I have plenty of capable people. If I'm out, I can assure you that my children's wing will operate itself, okay? Um, so here's the thing. Pray. Build those relationships with the, with the parents. Build the relationships with your workers. And build the relationships with your kids. Alright? The reason that we're doing that is because children's ministry matters. If you don't think children's ministry matters, you got another thing coming. Children's ministry matters. Remember the big pie that I showed you? I'm hoping this will come back up so you can actually see the video. Doesn't look like it's going to. Anyway, that's another thing about children's ministry or ministry in general. You have to be flexible, okay? Remember I told you about the boxes? Don't think you're going to get to check all the boxes off. You're not going to get to see the video. However, we will do something a little bit different. We're going to, we can ask questions. you got about maybe 10 minutes or so. Uh, so we can, you can ask questions. We can share what you guys may be doing at your church. Um, here's the thing. We all learn from each other. Okay? All right, so for the next 10 minutes, if you got any questions or any, anything you want to share, we'll do that. Okay? I do have a question. Right. Okay. You said a while ago when we were talking about relationships, you said you do a, a large group and then you break into small groups. So I would, our church is a, like you said, a traditional mm -hmm. small church. We have Sunday school and then we go to church. So do you hold the, those, are those children with you during that whole span? Alright, this is what um, this is what I do, um, and I was adamant about this just simply because I, I watched it and and I had my own kids growing up in that. Here's what takes place: from birth through kindergarten, I have something for them the entire time I'm there, through our worship service, through our Sunday school service. From the time they get to that door to the time they leave, there's something for that age group to do. Now, first through sixth grade, go to large adult church with their families. Here's the reason why. I want them to see mom and dad singing the worship songs. I want them to see mom and dad giving the tithe money in the plate that's passed. I want them to see mom and dad taking notes in their Bible and reading their Bible. If they never see that, if they never experience that, if I keep them from birth all the way to sixth grade, and then from when they get into seventh grade, that's their first time that they're actually in big church, man, we got a big, huge problem. The parents love it. Mine does anyway. Um, and just because, now, here's the thing. I've explained to them why I want them to go to big church with them. Okay, it's not that I'm trying to get out of something. I can easily plan something for every single one, top and bottom, for the whole three hours and never go over there myself. But I want them to experience it as a family. That's how you do ministry. Okay, I want them to listen to Brother Danny. I want them to to build those relationships with other members of the church. So that's how I do mine. So how? What about your time? Like when you do the large group and small group, how do you? What's your time? How long do you spend in large group? Okay, in large group, it's usually about 25 minutes, 25 to 30 minutes. When we come in, our worship service, 
Uh, we start at 9 o'clock. So we'll start getting babies at 8.30. And like I said, from, from there to kindergarten, uh, we have something for them. But at 9 o'clock is when our worship surf, surf, service starts, and it goes to 10.15-ish. Okay? At 10.15, we let out, if it, y'all, if it lets out on time. Okay? Um, most of the time it does. But if it don't, uh, anyway, 10.15 is the thing. At 10.30 is when we actually start our Sunday school. So from 10.30 to 11.30 is our Sunday school. So usually about 10.15, they'll come up, they'll start in the cafe. That's when we do our breakfast. Now, I don't do hot breakfast for them. Every now and then, like every fifth Sunday, we'll do grits with the, you know, the cheese and the bacon, you know, biscuits and those kind of things. Most of the time, it's like Pop-Tarts and honey buns and, you know, just stuff like that that they can individually open and I don't have to cook, okay? Because I, I don't have time for all that, not all the time. All right, so they'll do that from 10.15 to about 10.30, 10.35. The reason that I roll over a little bit is in case someone didn't go to church and they're coming just for Sunday school. That way I, I usually try to keep it on schedule, all right? So at 10, 10.30, 10.35, I call them. They go into my base camp, which is my large group, and that's where I do the lesson with them, okay? So I'll do the lesson. That usually lasts until about 11, and then at 11, I dismiss them to their small group classrooms, which is basically, which is basically Sunday <laughs> So, now that all of y'all are awake, <laughs> so but that's kind of what I do. And then at 11:30, they dismiss. And the way now the way that we dismiss, it could be a little bit different. Uh, Kelly's downstairs. I've got people downstairs at my check-in. Uh, of course, now we have cameras in every single room. I was looking at this church. I don't know if this church has any cameras, but we have a camera in every single classroom. Okay, cameras have helped. A lot. Now I know smaller churches can't get it. That we were just blessed to be able to do that. But downstairs, we've also got a little intercom system where it looks like a little cordless phone. When the parents come and they call that child to check them out with that list, Brian or Tammy or either Kelly, they'll get on the phone and they'll dial sixth grade and they'll say, "Hey, I need Meredith or the next friend." And then they come. They come down and then they're released. Okay, so they'll stay in their classroom, their small group classroom, until they're called. I don't let them go back out. Just, even if, I mean, even if it's 11.35 or 11.40 before the parents get there, they don't come out of that classroom. When it gets 11.30, if they haven't been called, and a lot of times you will have some parents that'll stay over and just talk, it could be 11.45 before some of them call. But I don't let them just roam the hall. So. They, when they get called, they come out. Okay. So parents night, oh, we've done it, and we have huge military families and communities. So we serve that way as military mm -hmm. family because they have hard time to yep. find their babysitters because mm -hmm. they're new in town. I don't trust anybody. Kind right. of thing. So we've done it, and we have like a huge hit <laughs> yep. for three and a half hours. Oh, yeah. We got to do something. But do you do anything other than night out? Like training or class or party for the parents. For the parents, um, every, now a lot of, we do a lot of things, but the parents are usually involved. 
Uh, we don't we don't per se. The only other thing that we do where the parents would get a break is we'll do a lock-in. We we usually do one lock-in. Um, for some reason, my wife loves them. I'm not a big fan of them. <laughs> so, however, it's fun. It is fun. And the reason I'm not a big fan is I'm not a night person. Just go ahead and let me go to sleep, and I'll get up early the next morning, and I can function that way. I, but now, God has always provided. He's always given us strength, and He's always given us a bunch of a bunch of help to do it. Okay, but that's that's the probably the only other thing where we do a lock-in, and that way they come and they drop them off. Usually, the first thing that we do is for about three hours, we'll go to the skating ring and we'll skate. And I want them to go around that thing as many times as possible, <laughs> just to wear some of that out. And then when we get back, uh, we, you know, we just usually do different things. We'll, of course, we'll do. We usually end up with the movie, and that's when we separate. I'll have my girls go to the bottom floor with Kelly, and I'll me and Clint, or you know, whoever I have, we'll stay in the top floor in our large room because we have. Well, it, well, it's bigger than this, but we also have some sliders like this, and what we do is we just open them up to where it's a huge room. So we bring, at, when we start the TV or the movie, we have our sleeping bags or cots or whatever, because as soon as you put that on, about half of them fish and go out anyway. And it's usually around, I think it's usually around 2 o'clock, 2.30, that we start the TV show. Okay, so anyway, and then most of the time, they, they'll sleep for the most part. Before that, we'll do different, of course we feed them. Uh, we do some Bible stories. Uh, the big thing at our church is the is Nerf gun wars. They love it. I mean, it's just, but I don't, like I say, I'm not a huge proponent of that. <laughs> However, it is effective. And if you want the kids to come, just say lock them. See what happens. They will bring friends they haven't seen in a year. You, you can tell them you can have bring a friend day or bring a friend night. They won't nobody bring anybody. Have a lock in and see what happens. You, they, every one of us used to bring five friends, and you're facing to go from 120 to 250. I promise. Okay. So do a lock in and see what happens. That's that's the one thing. Another thing that we do. So. Yeah, other questions. I'm doing good if I got three in my Sunday school class. <laughs> <laughs> well, y'all got two and a half minutes. No other questions? Yeah, when you do the the um, the pick a card with the ministry, do you just let them come up and pick a child's name? Actually, the way that we do that is I put all the cards face down. They don't see who so they, they don't get. get to, they, just, they just pick a card. Yep, yep. Okay. Here's the reason why. Every single boy and girl that I have in my children's ministry is special and is created by God. So I want them to be prayed for just as much as someone that you would know. Okay? And another reason is if you pick someone and you don't know them, chances are by the time that school year gets over with and you prayed for them the whole year, you're going to have some type of relationship with them. So that's kind of why we do that. Now, you can do it the other way if you want to uh, and just ask them to come. But I, we just lay them all down and then that's just kind of how we do it. They just come up and just grab a car. Do you put any other information? Just 
Just their name. Just their name. Did they come to you to find information about the kid? Uh, well, if they want additional information, they, they will come to us most of the time. Most of the time, they'll figure out during, especially with my first through sixth graders, they're going to be in large church anyway. So they'll they'll figure out who they are, especially within within the year and stuff like that. Now we do have some foster kids. We don't put we only put just the first name of the foster kids. I don't put the last name or anything like that. Of course, when we print labels, it's it's basically their first name and then it's got an asterisk behind it. The asterisk tells my worker that they're a foster child, which means two things. They don't nobody come and get them unless it's that foster parent and they can't take pictures and post them on social media. So if they see that if they see the asterisk behind that name and they only have the first first name, they automatically know my my workers automatically know that they can't take a picture of that child and post it. Because we don't want you know, whether they're in our county or not in our county, we don't want the the mom or the dad or the other family seeing where they're at, and then all of a sudden now we got issues at the church. Okay, which could happen. So. So we're still trying to figure out a checking system because we don't have one in place. Okay. So um, you just use like a stick on a name tag for each child. Is that how you mm-hmm. turn them out? Yep. Our the one that we use is called Lambs List. It's actually a website based. It's lambslist.com, and you you pay. It's a yearly license. We live so far out. We don't have internet. Don't have internet. Okay. That's All right. A big problem right now. Okay. But then this is what I would do. You can buy labels. Right. Uh, that you can do that with. Stick, That's know? exactly right. You could even um, you know just as long as you've got some type of check-in system to where. It's not just chaos. I mean, you know, back whenever I was growing, even, listen, whenever my kids were smaller, when church got out, I mean, we opened the back door and they went out playing in the yard and everything else. Those days are long gone, guys. I mean, they're long gone, okay? There's too much stuff happening. And there's, we have too much responsibility, okay? So whenever we get them checked in, they're our responsibility and we're liable until that parent checks them out, okay? There's so that's that's what I would do. Yeah, that's not run online, but you can use for yeah, you well can. for smaller churches. Mm-hmm. They won't work. It's not that our church is so small. It's just kids, that it is. We don't have. But it keeps everything in mm-hmm. your within your building. It yeah. doesn't yeah. put on the web, so you don't right. have internet. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. No, just what was that thing? Power Church. Yeah. I'll look at it. Ours is just web web-based, where I don't have to yeah. keep up with anything. It's not in a server or nothing like that. So. Our, our nursery has not been combined with our children's ministry, and I've just started trying to work with the nursery side mm-hmm. just just gotcha. this month. And so I'm seeing how much more I need to be involved with the children's ministry because technically we don't have a children's wing. We could have one. Right. You just got to convince some people of that. I understand. <laughs> well, your senior pastor plays a big deal in that. He's trying. I understand. He's on board. Yep. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. Keep yeah. going. I'm telling you, there, that this 13 and under, y'all see, it's where it's at. Okay. It's where it's at. Any other questions? I know it's time to go.
All right. I understand. All right, well, let me pray for you guys. Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for, we thank you for loving us. Uh, dear God, we thank you for your provisions. One that we hear right now is the rain. Dear God, we thank you for the rain. I thank you that you're in control of the rain. Dear Father, I thank you that you're in control of everything. Uh, so dear God, I pray that you just continue to use us uh, as children's workers. Dear God, I know that every single child was created and is loved by you. So I pray that we do not take that for granted. And dear God, I pray that we do exactly what it is that you want us to do. Dear Father, I pray that we're exciting when we do it. I pray that we're passionate when we do it. And dear Father, most of all, I pray that we show love uh, to those kids because you loved us first. Uh, I pray for the rest of the day. I pray for the rest of the breakouts to God. I pray that you just use those uh, folks that are serving in those areas as well. And to God, just give us safe travel as we travel back home. We ask this in your name. Amen.